0: Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast is an introduction to the Book of Colossians and Greg's new sermon series, Jesus Above All. The sermon is entitled, The Fruit of Love. We are starting the Book of Colossians. This um, We're going kind of back to studying a book and going through a book. And today we are actually doing um, a little different than the scripture reading. I didn't want to put the whole chunk in there because it was kind of big. We're going to be doing um, Colossians 1 Uh, 1 through 8 actually if you look at it so if you would read that with me that would be great if you have a Bible please turn to the book of Colossians if not there's a couple Bibles in the back you can use as well (coughs) Colossians 1, 1 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother who's writing the letter there to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae grace and peace to you from God our Father We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is the faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So, this is uh, an introduction to a letter. So uh, A lot of times, especially in Paul, there's not like um, necessarily like these huge things. He's not gotten into his big theology yet, but there is a lot of important stuff here. Um, I actually didn't really know what to call this um, when I sent the bulletin announcement. The series is going to be Christ above, or Jesus above all. That's the theme of Colossians. That's why I chose this book. um, Because that is what it's about. Jesus above all. And we're going to see this as we go through it. Um, And there's a lot of really, really important stuff in here. And I decided to title this sermon, The Fruit of the Gospel. And hopefully you'll see where we're going with that as well. Um, A little bit about this book, as probably a lot of you know. um, When we're looking at the Word of God. It is one big book, obviously. It's a big book. Um, some of you maybe have read through it. Maybe some of you haven't. Um, maybe some of you don't even really understand much about it. But um, in the, the second half of the New Testament, after the coming of Jesus, there are a lot of letters that were written. There's stories about Jesus in the Gospels and, and uh, about the early church in the book of Acts. And then there's a lot of letters. And this letter, Colossians, is written to people at a city called Colossae. And we'll see where that is in just a second. Um, and it's written by Paul, important apostle. And he was in prison when he wrote this. And there's a group of letters called the prison epistles or prison letters. And this is one. Um, I think probably just judging from context, things that's going on, he probably wrote it from Rome when he was in prison there, kind of waiting um, to get out of prison. So when we're looking at this, uh, it's not necessarily hugely important as much as like in the book of Philippians, but he is in prison when he's writing this. Uh, another important thing that we'll see is that Paul has, didn't start this church. Um, this is not one that he started in the book of Acts you read a lot about his missionary journeys and, and where he traveled back and forth, but he didn't start this church. He's never actually been there. Um, and you'll see an important name, Epaphras. Um, you'll see it come up several times in this letter, and he's probably the one who started the church. And he's told Paul about the church, and so he's concerned about them. He wants them to, to know certain things and to remember certain things. And I think knowing this context is really important. Um, just for some historical information, helping you understand a little more, um, you see Jer- Jerusalem is right here, um, and up here is Colossae. Um, it used to be before this time, um, a couple hundred years earlier, it was like the big city. Um, there was uh, two major roads, one going north to south and the other one going east to west, and it was kind of at the the middle of those roads. Well, what happened is kind of like happens now. Um, they basically moved the highway, and the town died. You know, um, this happens a lot and it's sad. They they put a big highway, and all of a sudden people aren't driving to this little town, and it kind of dies. Um, and this is kind of what's happening it's not as big as it used to be um, the town Laodicea is actually the big one now it's, it's a little closer and Ephesus as well both of those are the, the big cities I know it's a little hard to see I apologize for that um, but it, it's, it's kind of gotten smaller in the past couple of years um, and so again <laughs> that doesn't necessarily influence a lot in the letter I just want to give you some historical information about this well When we're thinking about this occasion, the occasion, why did Paul write this letter? He has, uh, Epaphras, who we mentioned before, he's brought news to Paul about this place. Um, We think probably Epaphras started this church, and so he tells Paul what's going on here. For the most part, it's really good. Um, And you can see, as we look through Colossians 1, 3, and 4, um, that we're studying today, you'll see that. And also... um, in verse 8, and then in 2-5. He basically has good stuff to say. The Epaphras knows Paul well, and he's basically, he basically goes and he says, look, this is what's going on here. It's really, really, really good. But Paul is concerned, and that's why he's writing this letter. Usually you don't get a letter from Paul just because things are going well. Um, it does happen because things are going well here, but he's concerned about a couple things, and so he wants to write to them about them. Um, and kind of called, <laughs> they say, Uh, the big thing is there's this heresy it's called when you read all the commentaries and stuff the Colossian heresy and this is another reason why I chose this book I think this is so important for us today because I think um, some of the things that they were falling into as we read through the letter um, we see we can see a lot of it today Um, and a lot of the stuff that they were struggling with one of the big things um, if you were going to encapsulate it and why I, I call this Christ above all is that basically people were teaching and they were kind of moving away from the idea that um, that Jesus wasn't all sufficient, he wasn't all powerful, and so Paul is trying to through the whole letter he's trying to say Jesus is the most important. Now, if you were here from my suffering sermon series, you're probably sick of me here saying this. Um, I hope not, but this is what we're going to be talking about. It was always coming back to that: where is our hope in suffering? Where is our strength in suffering? It is always Jesus. He is the purpose and the point of everything. And that is this letter. If you're going to encapsulate it, that that is it. Jesus is above all. And so, great, very, very important. Because I think we see a lot of Jesus and today. What I mean by that is Jesus and uh, being successful. Jesus and having a big church. Jesus and whatever. Um, and so we we kind of pin our hopes on something besides Jesus that uh, I can be a happy Christian if I have Jesus and I'm not really struggling with anything or I'm not suffering or I'm not whatever there's a lot of Jesus and going on and that was the problem here Um, some of the things that you see specifically we don't really know a lot about Colossae and the church besides what's in this letter so We'll, we'll come pick some of these back up as we go through it. But um, when we just look at it right now, I want to give you a quick overview about some of the things that we're struggling with. In um, Colossians 2.8, you see he talks a bit about philosophy. There was some kind of philosophy that was denying the all-sufficiency, the all-all-you-need-is-Jesus, and the preeminence. Jesus is above all. And that philosophy was saying, basically, it was a, a Jesus and... Uh, we don't know exactly Jesus and what, um, but there was some kind of philosophy saying, you know, you need to be have Jesus and maybe be smart, you know, be educated, um, and if you're not educated enough, then that's not enough. We don't really know, but um, that could be it because it's talking about hollow philosophy. Paul mentions. Um, also, it's talking a lot about uh, probably Jewish things, ceremonies. This one, I'm telling you, I, I'm studying this the past couple of weeks. A lot of these went straight to my heart, um, thinking about what's going on at this place. Um, to talk about Jewish things, like things you have to do for Jewish uh, Judaism, but if you look at Colossians two sixteen through 17, it mentions things like uh, special days and um, food regulations and all this stuff. Where there was, He's like, don't let people tell you that you have to follow that stuff. Don't let people tell you that one day is more important than the other. Um, And I think we can maybe have this idea maybe about Christmas, about Easter, whatever, especially Easter. We're like, oh, this is the special day when we think about Jesus' resurrection. And, you know, when we finished out um, our suffering series, we talked about this. You know, we we need to live the resurrection every day. Um, And so he's kind of fighting against this idea that there are certain special things. Like if you, if you do this thing, if you eat this food, or you're, you exercise enough, or you think this day is special and you, you turn in special. Things. He's like, no, no, no. Okay? <laughs> Understand, Jesus changed everything, every day. Um, and so they're struggling with that too. Another thing is angel worship. Um, we'll see that a little bit. Not probably a huge problem today, um, but the thing that I think we can get from this is I know the tendency of my heart is, a lot of times is to look at things in the Bible that I'm like, oh, I don't really know much about that. And you can get kind of obsessed with these things where you know you're never going to find the answer and you ignore all the stuff that is so clear and so plain. And that's what they were doing. Um, it turns into angel worship, but it starts with, wow, I wish I knew more about this. And and so they delve into this stuff. And it becomes so important that they're denying and ignoring the big truth of the gospel. And um, that's one of them. I'm studying it. I'm like, wow, this is today. This is totally today what's going on. Um, And then, last of all, not not a huge problem in the church today, but they struggle with something called asceticism, um, denying food. Um, this was something the early church struggled with a lot. There was these famous ascetics. There's this guy, um, very famous, he went out in the desert and he lived on top of the pillar for like years and years and years. And people would like come to him and you know, ask him for advice. And this became really popular in the early church that you know, this is how you prove you love Jesus, by denying everything. And really, a lot of stuff is really weird <laughs> that they did. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for fasting because there is, and I think we ignore that. But um, again, this is a Jesus and thing. You really know Jesus if you do this, and it's a trap. Um, And so I think it relates to the other ones that we talked about in that way. And we'll get to some of that. I think usually we kind of have the opposite problem today um, from asceticism. But again, these are some of the things that we can't really nail down, okay, here is the religious system that was the problem in this town at this time. These are just some of the things that we know, and we'll see Paul combating these things. But what it really comes down to is they didn't really think that Jesus was enough. Um, and they may have even thought that he was enough for salvation, but not for life, not for Christian living. And so Paul is kind of fighting against that. And well, it's such a great letter for that reason. Um, Really, uh, this was about what's called syncretism. They were taking Christianity and mixing it with stuff they already had. Um, again, there's been a long history of problems with this in the church, uh, especially in China. When the church and missionaries started going to China, there was some trouble. They were unsure. You know, do we allow them to keep some of their traditions, or do we say no, this isn't worth it? A lot of our holidays, probably you have heard this before, whether it's Christmas or Easter. Really, how we got them was this idea of syncretism. There's already a big holiday that happens at this time, so let's let them keep some of the traditions, but let's make them Christian. Um, and so we have some of these weird traditions on holidays that have nothing to do with Christianity because they're kind of mixed. Um, and what, we're, what Paul is trying to do here um, is to say, no, no, Christ Jesus replaces. It's not just like he, he gets added to your little God shelf. He replaces it. He is there. He is the only thing there. Um, And this is a really good thing for us today, again, I think. So as we're looking at this, um, I do have a a quick outline. This is obviously, again, not like a huge (laughs) section by any means. where We're we're digging super deep, but there are some really important things here. So as we look through this, um, what do we know about the Colossian church? This is really what it's about. A lot of times, Paul, he'll start his letters with stuff like this. Uh, He'll say, I thank the Lord my God for this and this and this and this and this. And he kind of says stuff about the church or his relationship to the church. Well, he doesn't know this church. So what he's saying is what he's heard. And he says that he's he's glad, he's joyful because they're known for their faith in Jesus. They're known for their love for Christians. And the gospel is bringing fruit among them. And that last one I think we're going to see is is really the most important um, because it relates to the other two those other two um, come from number three and so he's building up to that so when we look at this first verse in 1-4 um, if you could look with me Colossians 1-4 it says uh, I'll start in 3 we always thank God Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Jesus and the love you have for all the saints um, and then going one more verse the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. So he's already saying these things, this faith and love, they spring from the hope that you have. Uh, Some thoughts, though. They are known. This is, I think, really important. They're known for their faith. And this is is really, really amazing. Um, Because there's other churches that aren't known for this. Yeah, You know, I showed you that map and I said Laodicea is really, really close to this place. What is Laodicea known for? Does anyone know? Um, there's a letter written from John to the church in Laodicea at the beginning of Revelation. He says uh, to Laodicea, you guys have a problem because you're lukewarm. You, you haven't really decided what you're going to do yet. And so we see a lot of these churches um, in those letters at the beginning of Revelation. John is saying things to them that aren't so good. What's this church known for, though? This church is known for their faith and their love. Wow, that's amazing. And we're going to see where does how did how did they come by this? By understanding the gospel, by knowing it. And it, this is the fruit that will come when you know it. They have they really trusted in Jesus Christ. Their hope is steadfast, as some translations say in two five. Um, their faith is not just. One day, and then the next day, no. It's something that they have held onto. They have clung to. And I love doing studies like this and being up here and doing this because hopefully I love seeing connections, and hopefully you're seeing connections too. Like we just finished this sermon series on suffering, and what did we talk about? You know, like when we we put our faith and our hope in our heavenly home in Jesus in that inheritance. What happens? We don't get tossed around like, like waves in the ocean. We are strong. We are steadfast. And so those things that we talked about in those other passages to other churches, it's, it's here too. It's always connected. Um, it's not just like, okay, you guys um, have more faith and love because you try a little harder. <laughs> no, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying you understand what you've been taught. You know it. And so what is happening because of that? They're known for their faith and love. So the question is, what are we known for? Ourselves, whether it's personal or our church. And this is a hard question. It's a really hard question because this church has had problems. And you know, it's, it's hard to talk about. But really, what, what do we need to do? What can we do to solve this? I'm not saying, okay, just trust in Jesus and everything's going to be alright. But, um, this is an amazing testimony. They are known for their faith and love. And, the reason they are known for that is because they know the gospel. They understand it. And it works out. It is fruit. This is, Jesus talks about this. Paul talks about this. You know what? Trees are meant to bear fruit. If you have an apple tree—it's hopefully, unless it's dead—it's going to give you apples, and it's not going to give you like onions. You know, <laughs> onions aren't going to grow on your tree. Jesus said that <laughs> good tree bears good fruit, um, and he's—he's using—he's comparing it to the natural world. He says, when you do this, when you are an apple tree, you will bear apples. When you are a Christian, you will bear Christian fruit. When you are a church, you will see faith and love. If you are rooted, if you are alive, and if you are what you are supposed to be, and if not, you need to start asking a lot of hard questions. And these are hard questions, and hopefully we're going to be looking at these and rooting out some of these bad things as we look through this series. Because this is so important. and I'm not... I'm never going to say... You guys know this. I'm not saying, okay, so we've got to be good people and then we'll be a good church and we'll go to heaven. <laughs> like, you know that. And I, I shouldn't have to say that. But I always want to. Because we need to understand that this is coming out of the life we have in Christ. When you are alive, you do things that show you are alive. It, you can't... Like, you can't be alive and act like a dead person. Um, and... So we're looking at this, uh, again, the analogy of the tree. If you are a tree, you're going to bear fruit unless you're dead. Like, that's just the way it is. So we should be looking for this fruit. And if not, if we're not seeing it, we need to start asking a lot of questions um, of ourselves, of our church, of our attitudes, of our knowledge of the gospel, of the good news. That's really, really important when we're looking through this. It's really easy to throw out the word gospel. Okay, great. What does that mean? It means good news. What is the good news? right? That's what we always need to be coming back to. It's so easy to just think of it as like this um, abstract thing. Oh, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. The gospel-centered church. The gospel-centered life. The gospel-centered whatever. So a lot of churches uh, and books coming out with stuff like this now. And it's so important, but only if you understand what that word means. It's not just like a, a code word for church or something like that. It is good news. And what is the good news? <laughs> the good news is that we can't do anything to earn our salvation. Well, how's that good news? (laughs) It's good news because Jesus has done it all. Why? Because Jesus is above all. That is this book. So, they're known for their faith in Jesus. It's not a faith that goes uh, up and down. It's something steadfast because it's rooted in the gospel. Um, I want for this church... I want for people to say, who know it, Dayton Chinese Church, they are known for their faith. They are known for their steadfast faith. And I don't think it could be said right now. Um, And I want that so bad. I want us to be known for that. And I hope and I pray that this book can, can do something, that God's Word will work in us and change us and bring us together for His purpose. This isn't about having a good reputation as a church. It is about the glory of Jesus' name. That is what this book will always come back to. It's not just about being, oh, we've heard of your faith and love. It's so great. It's, we've heard of your faith and love, and that is so great, because the gospel, the good news, is spreading all over the world. And it's doing this work in so many people for God's glory. That's what it's about. So, um, second point: There, they're known for their love for all Christians. Um, that's also in in one um, This is not just a love toward Jesus. That's super super important. Um, a little while ago, the youth we finished a study in on love in the book of First John, and it talks about a lot of different things uh, about not loving the world, about loving God, about God loving us. There's a lot of love in First John. In fact, sixteen percent of the words in 1 John are the word love. That's a lot. Um, And so, there's a lot of themes around that. But something you'll notice if you read through the book of 1 John is it always comes back to loving your brother. It says, God did this, Jesus did this for us, therefore, love your brother. If you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you're a liar. I love John because (laughs) he writes these letters to the churches at the beginning of Revelation and he is brutally honest. He is doing this sermon or writing this letter in First John, and he is so honest. He is not afraid to call people liars. And it's this issue of fruit. Um, obviously, you see, I chose the theme of fruit for this reason, that he says, if you love God, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, you are lying. Because if you love God, the fruit that will come out is love for others. And this is, this is again, this is why they're known for this. It says you're known for your faith and your love for all Christians. Why? Because you're firmly rooted in your love for God and the good news of Jesus. That is why you're known for that. Um, they, it says they, they not only have, this is important, um, they not only have love for each other, but it says, we know of your love for all the saints. Um, now, I remember when I first started knowing what was going on in church, when I became a Christian in high school, I was real confused because I only really knew saints as like, you know, Saint Boniface, Saint whatever, um, Saint George, all these saints. But um, when we see this in the New Testament, it's not Testament, it's not talking about um, this special person that we should venerate. Um, When the New Testament uses the word saints, it means Christians. It means holy ones is what saints actually means. Um, And we all are holy ones. When Paul says, all the saints... To all the saints in Christ Jesus at blah, 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 blah. He's talking about us. And he says, you are known for your love for all the saints. So, you know, I started out saying, yeah, they loved God. They had faith in God. They loved each other. That's great. But it went farther than that even. They loved all the saints. They knew uh, what was going on. And they loved them. Um, And this, again, this is such a great testimony especially in this world today. This one, for me, has set gr- such a great application because our world has gotten so much smaller. Like, we can talk to people on the other side of the world. We can get to the other side of the world in, like, a day. Um, and we know what's going on. But how many of us ignore it? There's some hard stuff going on in, in Africa, in the Middle East, in China. Um, even, there are people suffering yeah, here. Um, there's a lot of hard stuff going on around the world. And are we being characterized by love for all the saints? Are we pursuing everything that we can do? Even if we just pray, are we praying for these people? Um, this That church was known for that. They were known for loving all of the saints. They knew what was going on and they loved them and they, and they wanted to serve them. Um, so they were known for that as well. Uh, again, just... A hope in me that this is what we can be known for as well. I think we can do so much better at this. Um, but really, what does it come down to? <laughs> I I love when I do an introduction to something because I am always like uh, repeating myself about forty-five times because they say um, in order to really understand and remember something, you need to hear it forty-five times. So if I ever seem like I'm repeating something a lot, it's because I want you to remember it. Um, So, when we look at this last point, the gospel was bringing forth fruit among them. Um, Verses 5-6, through if you can look there with me again. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. That is a huge verse. That is what explains everything that comes before it right and what does it come from there's, I think there's two major things that he's saying this is where your fruit comes from it says the gospel brings fruit when you um, when you hear it and you know it and you understand it sorry that's three <laughs> um, says the important part is the end I think just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth they knew the good news. And this, um, this, again, goes straight to the heart of a, a lot of people today, myself included a lot of times. It's one thing to throw around the word good news, to throw around the idea of Jesus crucified on the cross. But they understood it in all its truth. Um, and what that means, I think, is this. That they didn't just say, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died for my sins. They knew what the implications of that were. They understood it in all of its truth. Not just in a conceptual, abstract sense. But they understood what it meant. They really understood what it meant. And you don't see Paul saying this a lot about a lot of churches. He doesn't say, since you heard and understood in all its truth. Sometimes he'll say, I pray that God will open the eyes of your heart in all, so you can understand his power and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, he doesn't always say this, but this is what he says about this church, that they heard it and they understood it in all its truth. And, going back a little further, he says, we know the gospel is bearing fruit because of this. He's saying, your faith and love come from your understanding of the gospel. Do we know it? And again, do we know it in all of its truth? It's, <laughs> our world is so convenient today. And it is so fast. Um, we can check our email anywhere. We, can, we have email. <laughs> you know, we don't have to wait for days to send a letter. So many things have changed. And now I, a lot of times it's so easy for our minds to be like, bam, next thing, bam, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And we, I think it has spread to, to all parts of our lives. Um, and that includes church. You know, um, a lot of you would have a really hard time, and I know I would have a hard time, if I decided to preach for three hours. Oh, no, um, you have a really hard time because honestly, for a lot of us, it's hard to sit even as long as we do because we don't do that unless we're watching a movie with lots of explosions. <laughs> we're probably not going to to sit down and listen or watch something for very long because we can't. And, and this is, I think, this is spread to our hearts and to our minds and to our understanding of the gospel. We packaged it into these quick, fast things. And that's fine. It is okay to do that. There's a lot of really great ways to share the gospel. One's called the Romans Road. There's another one called Two Ways. And the idea is that you can share with someone really quickly, but you can't stay there. You can't just stay at, um, okay, right now I'm dethroning God as the ruler of my life, and I need to put him back on the throne. Like That is the basis of your understanding. But you need to move past that. And that's what they did. They understood the gospel in all its truth. And, and I really, really strongly believe that that meant all of its implications. And he's trying to bring them back to this as well. I, you get the feeling in this letter that Paul is saying, don't believe this hollow philosophy. Don't believe Jesus and. The gospel in all its truth is that Jesus is above all and you don't need an and. It is just Jesus. And this includes... Um, changing our lives. You know, a lot of us, we get really frustrated. I think, I know I do. We're like, I I just wish I could be a better person. For God, even. You know, it doesn't just have to be to be a better person. I just wish I could be nicer to my wife. I wish I could do a better job at my job. And so we're like, buy these um, Christian self-help books, seven ways to better, blah, 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 three ways to this, whatever. There's so many of them. And... And we try these formulas, but the Bible is very clear that the only thing that can change you is Jesus. And and I I really strongly believe and um, hope to show you that that is true even in change. Um, A formula is not going to do it. You can't separate yourself from Jesus Christ and your relationship with Him and expect to grow. It has to be rooted in Him. It has to be rooted in your relationship with Him. And it has to flow to all your life. Um, and that's what the gospel is about I mean, you can know it you can go to heaven and, and you can have a basic understanding but the, again the book of Hebrews talks about don't just stay on milk don't stay on spiritual milk move on to solid food how many of us could read the book of Hebrews and understand it <laughs> it's a hard book but that's what he's talking about in that book he's like if you're not understanding this you need to start growing um, and so it's going to be our goal too um, the gospel the point of the gospel is that Jesus is above all so as we look at this and we try and understand it more we're going to be delving deeper we're going to try to understand the gospel and all its implications but what does it always come back to? always Jesus it will always be Jesus he, we're going to see he is above all creation he holds everything together it's that big it's not just um, for our salvation it's all about Jesus it is, is the point, the holding point of all of creation, even. And it is so huge. Um, so, the key was that they they knew the gospel, and it brought fruit in their lives. And I, I really... There's there's such a close, fine distinction between these two things. Because um, I know there are a lot of people and there are, that believe and, and think, like, okay, so... <clears throat> i do good things and and and, and um, that's good it's like good thing it's the distinction between doing good things that lead to salvation and having salvation that leads to good things is so fine but we need to know that distinction because what it's saying here is that the gospel produces fruit fruit does not produce salvation basically saying yes there are there are good people in this world we talked about this in our suffering thing we talk about the big word, <clears throat> excuse me, total depravity. We're not talking about everyone's as bad as they could be completely and they can't ever do anything that's considered good. Like, obviously we know people who aren't Christians, who they're good people. We look at them and like, per- yeah, he's good. He's better than I am. Um, but what you need to understand is that what Paul is saying is that there, is, there are things that come from salvation, fruit that will happen if you are saved. There is a great, great book um, that came out a little while ago by John Piper. And John Piper, he's an interesting guy. He thinks very well and he always comes back to God. But it was called, it's a book called Finally Alive. And it um, says, the, sign, the subtitle is uh, The Signs of the New Birth or something like that. And he answers the question, when you get saved and you're supposed to bear fruit, what fruit are you supposed to look for? How do you understand what you're supposed to look for? What do the apples look like? A great, great book, and I would recommend it to any of you to, to look at it and say, you know what? This is what I should be expecting to see. Great book. Um, I highly recommend it. Again, it's called Finally Alive by John Piper, if you're interested in it. So they knew the gospel, and it bore fruit. Love is, it's just some observations about this. Number one, it's a public fruit. It can't be kept secret. secret. Verse 4 says, we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for all the saints. It can't be kept secret. Fruit that isn't displayed is not fruit. Like trees don't keep the fruit inside the trunk. They're on the tree, right? Um, and it, it, it will be a public fruit. Number two, it is a fruit of hope. This is verse, uh, verses 4 through 5a. Heard, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. This is exactly what we talked about in the suffering sermon series. That you, when you are grounded in heaven, you will see fruit. You, you will see peace. And um, I, I just heard a great sermon last night about this. Um, that this will happen. It is the foundation. <coughs> is this hope that you have in heaven. Um, and I used the phrase before and I'll say it again. There's this common phrase that he's so heavenly minded he's not of any earthly good and that's totally backwards all the people that you've seen throughout Christian history that did amazing things um, were completely heavenly minded Um, they were always thinking about that and it was their basis and their foundation for the amazing things that they did and so many of us are too earthly minded that we're not of any heavenly good so he says this fruit comes because of the hope that you've laid up in heaven because of the gospel. It is a fruit of the gospel, the third one, you know. Um, I've been talking about this. I don't think I need to go into that anymore because I've said it so much. But it's coming out of their understanding of the gospel. And it's a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is really interesting. We won't get into it really a lot now. What you need to know and understand is that there's this this passage in Galatians, you know, the, the famous, these are the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you, you know, you've probably heard it, hopefully. Uh, and it's really easy for us to be like, oh, the fruit of the Spirit. That means that the Spirit will do it for me. So I become a Christian, and the Spirit comes, and the fruit goes, boop, 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 and it appears all over my branches. Um, what this really means, um, the little word of can be so confusing because it can have so many meanings means that it is fruit that you see in someone who is characterized by the Spirit. Like, someone who has the Spirit will have those fruits. And that doesn't mean that the Spirit magically goes, okay, here's all the fruit, and you don't have to do anything. Um, It is about understanding the Gospel. It is about doing this. It is someone who is characterized by the Gospel and by the Spirit, and who is in the Spirit, who knows Jesus, has a relationship with Him, will have those things. It's not like a magic fruit of the Spirit spell. (laughs) Okay, you have fruit now. You have the Spirit, you have the fruit, the end. Um, And we're going to, again, I don't have time to go super deeply into this, but um, this is part of, I think, what I'm talking about with understanding the Gospel is moving past these um, really simple formulations where we're like, oh, the fruit of the Spirit is this. And yet, Most of us inside, we don't see that in our lives and we're frustrated. So let's talk about why we're frustrated. Let's talk about how we can show the fruit of the Spirit. And so part of this book is exalting Jesus above all and understanding the gospel more fully. And so that is our goal. Um, So those are the fruit. Three things to do to better bear the fruit of love. Um, This is suggestions for you. And again, this is like a, a beginning. Okay, hey, we're starting the book type thing. So I don't have a lot of like, um, here's what we can do exactly for the for our church right now. But um, I think there's some really important, maybe conceptual things that we can do. Number one, know and respect the gospel. And this is this is the key. This is where all the fruit's going to come from. Is knowing and respecting the gospel. Two, be in the spirit. So this is. Um, this is kind of vague. Um, I have a little quote from, from John Piper again about this. It says, Practically, we must endeavor to forsake all self-reliance when as we hear the word of God and seek the power of the Holy Spirit, not to tell us things that aren't in this, the Bible, but to make us feel the wonder of what is in the Bible. So being in the Spirit, what that means is not um, this funny, like all of a sudden something comes over you and you're not in control and you're like a zombie or I don't know um, people think weird things about um, the Holy Spirit sometimes what he's saying is that the Spirit doesn't help you to see things that aren't in the Bible um, although that's again this is something we go so deep into this thing that we don't even know the answers to when we're thinking about the Spirit but what we do know the Spirit does is that he, he, we see the Bible and he brings it to our hearts this thing in theology called the illumination of the Holy Spirit that doesn't mean that he helps us uh, that he tells us what the Bible means Uh, we need to use our brains because we all know that there are non-Christians who can read the Bible and they can tell us what it means but what does the Spirit do in us? He brings the importance of it to our hearts that does not happen in unbelievers they read it and they say okay this is what it means so what? the Spirit in us being in the Spirit means we see it and we understand it, and the Spirit says, "Here is what, <laughs> here is what should be going on in your heart," and that is the illumination of the Holy Spirit, bringing meaning to our hearts and our lives. So, be in the Spirit, know the gospel, be in the Spirit, and set our hearts on the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. This was really kind of you know the pinnacle, um, the the capstone point of. Our suffering, the suffering sermon series, when we we're talking about it, a lot of things basically say, why, why worry about suffering? It's light and momentary, it's fleeting compared to the hope that we have. And, you know, part of us, I think, at least um, I me and just the way you grow up, um, I grew up, is like, <laughs> sometimes in America people are kind of like, well, you can't just do something for the reward. That's, that's bad. Um, but the Bible encourages us to do that says, dwell on the hope of heaven, because that's where you find your strength. Why? Is it because we're all going to float around and play little harps and walk on golden streets? No, because we'll be with Jesus there and he will be king above all. That is the hope of heaven, Jesus. Um, And that is what gives us strength, that he will be king over all the earth as he is now, but in a real, visible, completely realized way. That is the hope of heaven. And those are the things I think that, that we see in this passage. Um, basically these applications that come straight from what he's saying what Paul is saying about them. And it's really great. Um, Colossians is a great book. Again, he's saying you are already known for these things because this is what you do. So, kind of switching it around for us, how can we be known by those things? By doing this. Paul this is saying this is why you're known for your faith and your love because you do these things so let's work let's think let's be in the spirit let's know the gospel let's put our hope in heaven and wait for the fruit um, and again this isn't like a magical thing like all of a sudden one day we do this and the fruit pops out and everyone's happy and we all prance around and there's rainbows over the church um, <laughs> it's not like that But um, this is something that is um, solid and unwavering. This is what you move to as a group of people of God. We're God's people in this place to worship Him. And one day, we're not just going to wake up and everything's going to be perfect. Until Jesus comes. (laughs) Um, In this church, it's a consistent habit of doing these things and seeing the fruit, and using that fruit to further God's kingdom. Um, and, again, this is what Colossians is about. I am so excited about this book. Um, it is such a great book, and I think it has so much to say to us. And it is my prayer that by the end, we will be transformed. And not just in the... you know, I, I know I pray that a lot you know, God, don't let us leave here and change. And a lot of us leave here and we're still not changed. Uh, I want, my hope that I want so badly is to see a visible change in us as a group of people by the time we're done with this. Because I believe God's word has power. And I believe if we know the gospel, we will see fruit. And, And I hope that you all see that too. I hope so much. And I pray that we can see this. That we grow together. That we are known for our faith and love and that we know there's a difference that God's word has changed us Jesus has changed us because we have put our hope in him let's pray God thank you so much for your word it tells us about who you are it tells us about who we are and God we just ask that you would bring the good news to our hearts that we would understand what it means that we would cling to you as savior and that's really what it's about it's not just about head knowledge it's about heart knowledge and God, a lot of times, we can use um, a phrase a personal relationship with you. It's kind of like this code word, but we want that. We want to know you. We want to have a relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you enabled that to happen. That we were enemies of God, but through your work, we can be sons and daughters of God. And we just ask all those things the illustrations, those theological things, that you would bring that understanding to our hearts, so we can see fruit. We ask that you would change this church, this group of people here, to to be more like you, to be a group of your sons and daughters that is known for faith and love, and known for the gospel, for the good news. And God, bring joy to our hearts. We want to celebrate. It is good news. It's not just news good news bring it to us every day let us rejoice in our hearts and let us share this news because it's good it's so good we want to share it we just ask that we know we will suffer you are very clear about that and we know just from living our lives that we will suffer and when times of harder suffering come we ask that that we would draw closer to you and not turn from you. Prepare our hearts now to understand your joy, to understand the hope of heaven, because that is our foundation in suffering. We want to draw closer to you in times of trouble. And we ask again that we would know your gospel, you bring it to our hearts so that that can happen. We thank you so much for this day, um, that we can come together and worship together, be your people together. And we pray for your people in other places, other countries that can't come together now because there's persecution and trouble and lack of money and lack of so many things. We pray for those people, our brothers and sisters around the world. We ask that you would comfort them and that through their suffering, the gospel would be advanced. In your name we pray. Amen.